And it's been a long war. It's been a tough war. You fought bravely, proudly for your country. You're a special group. You've found in one another a bond that exists only in combat among brothers. You've shared foxholes, held each other in dire straits. You've seen death and suffered together. I'm proud to have served with each and every one of you. You all deserve long and happy lives in peace. That's a quote from Band of Brothers. This week we kick off the start of SoulCon, and hopefully we build some bonds during that time. Welcome to the Mighty Anvil. This week's brushing. Uh, just so you know, brushing is the use of a hand tool which can further smoothen, brighten, or polish surfaces of the work that has been done. This week I just wanted to send a special thank you out to Katie and Shannon for allowing me to take their husbands away from them on Sunday evening. Sundays are usually the time where families take a moment of rest and prepare themselves for the upcoming week. I had to request Dan and Alan to come back and re-record the episode that y'all are about to hear. I had some uh, audio issues, and the first round was unusable. So again, to Katie and Shannon, I do appreciate the time you gave me with Alan and Dan, and I hope uh, some people can gain some wisdom from it. Let's get started. God, you are my smith. Forge me into the servant that you would have me to be. Hit me hard enough to brush the scale and impurities from my life. Draw out my life to the length that you would have it. Make me tough enough to resist persecution and temper me so that I am hard enough to withstand my temptations. Lord, as I go through life, put me back into the fire from time to time to repair me as I get blemished with sin. And when my life is over and the fires of life are all quenched, grant me a home with you in heaven. Amen. 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 Right on. Well, hey, guys, uh, welcome back to the Mighty Anvil. We've uh, got a guest with us today that I, man, I look forward to the conversations that he has, uh, that we have together. Uh, he, he tests me. Uh, he makes me better just by co- because he's uh, very strong-willed, um, and it, it makes me better trying to figure out how I can uh, get through those walls and uh, make him change his mind. <laughs> That's that's kind of an inside joke there, but uh, welcome to the show, Dan North. Uh, how are you doing today? Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. I'm doing good. Um, first off, I kind of want to let y'all know we're not at Rudy's today. We tried that yesterday, <laughs> but uh, my great audio techniques uh, had uh, let me down a little bit. So we're back at the house and yeah, finding some new ways, pivoting a little bit. So um, we're going from there. Uh before we get started, Dan, you know, let's uh, talk about uh, your core value or, or and or your core scripture, and just to get to know you a little bit, your uh, church life, whatever you want to know, we'll let us know about you. Sure. So core scripture uh, comes from the Old Testament and the book of Daniel, and uh, I like to utilize the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible, and so uh, Daniel, just in its context, he always liked to test people's ways other than God's. So he always followed God and he said, if I'll do it my way, you do it your way. But, uh, from chapter 10, verse 12, Daniel is, is in 
in a special portion of his life and while he's sitting under the king's throne he's still trying to honor god so in chapter 10 verse 12 god tells him daniel since the minute or the moment that you set out to gain understanding and humble yourself before me i have heard you and i have answered the call and that scripture to me is always my my backbone when i'm looking into the bible and trying to get um his word and his way and and he shows up every time and so that scripture to me is always just an affirmation for that uh, core value each one of the family members uh, within my home group have uh, a core value attached to them and they all represent something so mine is legend uh, which i'm not a narcissist but um Jesus was legendary. He was a legend. Everybody spoke about him. So the core value legend for me is to live a life that that people will talk about, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. And then as representative for the firstborn child in my family and my son, he is the legacy. So as I am legend and legendary, he ultimately lives out the legacy. So it's a mantle to carry to make sure that it's a good legend and not an ominous one. Right. The wife? The wife is life. Uh, we all have L's. So uh, Katie represents life and where life originates. She is how we came into a marriage and uh, one marriage under God. And so without her, there is no life. With with Without her, life can't exist. And so I always look at it as Christ being the bride and the church being the bridegroom. It's all in the similarity. So she is life to me. Ooh, that's good and true there would not be the rest of your family without her how about the new one london is love um she increased the capacity to love and i could just feel love increase when she was uh, inside my wife's womb so uh, she forever will be love and generated in love and her her name london avery uh this portion of Hebrew and numerology. So Lund in Hebrew means wild and Avery is new beginnings. So she is the love which cast us into wild new beginnings. I right like on. that. I like There's that. some thought back behind yeah. it. You know, that was another reason why uh, I appreciate Dan and who he is, is the thought behind everything that he does. It's, um, yeah, again, it makes me better just hanging around him. Um, so the, one of the things that uh, I wanted to mention we're going to be talking about SoulCon today. We're going to do a little pivot. We've been telling you guys that we were going to do the first 77 pages and kind of give you the rundown. But we're figuring, hey, you're probably going through this book with us, and so you've already read the 77 pages. Hopefully. Hopefully. If not, you might want to get on there. It starts tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow being for us. I'm not sure when you're listening to the podcast in the future, but we're uh, foreshadowing here. thing that I wanted to mention about Dan is first round of SoulCon that I went through which we were the second class, Dan was in that class with me. The way that that was set up was there were original six people that went through the SoulCon in our, in our sphere. You've heard two of the gentlemen, Chuck and Kenny. They were, the one, they were part of that six. When they completed the round of SoulCon, they invited a brother. Through that, that when you invite somebody, you purchased a book for them write some inspiration or motivation. I know we talked about that yesterday, but some motivation. And at the end, through the celebration, there's a coin, a challenge coin that the inviter uh, hands to the uh, invitee. 
if if you're setting up Soulcon for a group of guys with with you, one, this is not a book you want to go through alone. It does help build brotherhood and it to bounce things off that you were going through with this book. It, it's hugely important. So invite six to twelve guys. Any more than that, I think you lose a little bit. Dan, when you think of Soulcon, what are a couple of words, three hit points that you would say that that Soulcon is? So we covered it on Saturday. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) But one of the the key pieces of it is to make disciples. And we use disciples and the word Christian and all of these things, which are tests to be put through to have some desired in-state. And effectively, that's the book. It is for lack of a better term, a series of tests that are not no fail. Um, You can take them and still fail and still reach some objective at the end. But uh, the biggest thing within this book is it's a question that you ask before you start, which is, are you willing to die every day? And uh, that seems, um, you know, kind of a bit sadistic, but the whole point is that everything within this book and the principles that it's based on is for you to look intrapersonally to figure out what bondage do I have in my life that I'm continuing to feed every day. And within that, I have to put down a fork and pick up a cross and effectively die for it. So it without it, you can't change. You can't let Christ make you a new creation until you've died of that old poor person. So That's good. Alan, when uh, you think of Soulcon, what were a couple of words that you think of when you think of Soulcon? Um, definitely, it's challenging. Um, another thing I think of is transparency. Uh, challenging because it's not something. It's not easy. I mean, I don't want to say it's not easy. Let me say that it's the tasks are simple. The execution is is the part that can be hard if you allow it to be hard. Um, you're going to get in whatever you're going to get out whatever you put in. So if you put in a lot and you're transparent in the conversations that we have uh, during, you know, the, the takeaways and, you know, the, some of the discussions we have are, they can be things that you don't normally talk about with other guys, especially. But if you're transparent in that, and like Dan said, if you make the decision to die to that part of your flesh, I think you can get a lot out of it. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm not, you know, I have a desk job, wife and kid. I don't kill my own food or anything. Not that saying that you guys do, but I, I don't. <laughs> so for guys that are out there and they see the book and they're immediately turned off, but don't, don't, don't pick up the book still. It's, this is something that you need. Well, I stand corrected. You actually put some thought into it too. <laughs> I was just going to go, uh, for me, it actually pulled out two of my core values that I have now. And that's uh, discipline. And well, I don't I say, now I'm working this year on the core value of brotherhood. So those are the two things that, uh, I, that speak to me out of the book. Um, yeah. So that's where we're at with what we think about it. Dan, who, uh, who invited you? So your previous guest, Kenny Gammons is the person who invited me and I actually knew about the first iteration. Uh, Kenny and I were sitting at tri-tip at the star and he was telling me about this book study 
and he wasn't sure on selling it yet. You know, they were in week two or three, and he didn't know if it was going to gain any traction because guys were already failing and deviating from the process. And so it was uh, it was a question on if six can't even commit to it, you know, why would we expand it? And that was midway through. So by the time they finished, through some lessons learned, uh, they decided, you know, if we have another ring and expand it from six to 12, that really doubled the amount of accountability and gave you a whole lot less ability to hide. It was not small enough that you could and not big enough that you couldn't. So uh, I accepted the challenge willingly. It was something that I had been wanting to do after he told me about it. So I, uh, I took it on. Uh, I just thought of a question. The the style of coaching that Kenny gave you compared to the style of coaching that you presented your uh, your what is what not invitees we're trying to change the word but the person you invited to join us in the in our, the, the third class so we call them cohorts I think that's just easier cohorts yes yeah. okay. who is who is in your cohort you know so my my style at the time twice evolved uh was very legalistic and the whole context was because the book is written in black and white it there's not there's it's not jesus plus it's jesus so the book is not Solcon plus and let me add and make my own it's here are the rules and so i took that style and applied it, it the this the third class i didn't invite anyone because I really didn't think anyone was ready to be under my tutelage with that type of an attitude. So it wasn't until the fourth iteration that I actually invited someone. And that was mainly just being humble enough to understand that I'm still working through some things. And so I didn't think it was beneficial or prudent to have someone else going through it while I was still working on it. So mm. uh, how did, what did you, I don't want to say what do you think of Kenny's uh, coaching but how how did he help you get through that first round? So I don't know if it was really individuals in the in the twelve. Um, Kenny's amount of encouragement aligned with everything that I already you know because of the way that I was getting it, it, it tempered well with the way that I wanted to receive it because um, I carried a high level of discipline and and didn't deviate in the book. So there you. <laughs> There wasn't a lot of manner of coaching. It's more or less mentoring and trying to help you find and discover some of the aspects within the words versus let me tell you how to do this. So uh, that is a stark difference from when I was leading and leading others through it, which was I had very low tolerance for deviation. Hmm. It was either you're doing it or you're not. So the person that you invited, why did you... When you were ready to invite somebody, why did you invite that person specifically? Well, let's start with who did you invite? First? So I invited Dustin Clay, and Dustin and I were actually friends in high school, and okay. then we didn't see each other for over a decade. And then he was a couple rows down at church one Sunday that I attended, the second Sunday that I had ever attended Elevate. And uh, we kind of just carried over from there. He invited me to Kenny's men's group freedom, mm -hmm. all of these classes. So he had invited me to a series of things that helped expand my relationship with Christ. And so I felt it as, as much as an obligation to invite him to something that I felt like would be life-changing. So how did he do? He did well. Okay. Um, you know, he wasn't pr 
doing any type of, of dieting or exercise really up into that and a high stress job and he had a new baby. And so, um, one of the things that we talked about and Alan actually just reminded me of it. And it's something for the men that pick this book up is you will see it and you will find an excuse and they're not to do it. And the same thing that I told you, I'll tell Alan and anybody that's actually listening to this is do not create a list of excuses about why you can't and how hard it's going to be before you've even started. It's like a mental barrier we put in our mind that predicates failure and we haven't even done it yet. So you don't even know if you can and when and if you're going to fail. So it's almost like an, uh, a moment of caution to just say, don't set up an agenda when you start reading the first 77 pages. Wait until the end to figure out what failure looked like, you know. So uh, uh, that's just something I meant to tell you on Saturday. But ah, See, there's a reason why we did come back. <laughs> hey, Alan, did, uh, through any of the iterations that uh, we did, did you invite anybody? Uh, I did. So for before I got married uh, last May, I invited a couple of guys to join me through uh, SoulCon so I could lose some weight. <laughs> and I guess that it's bad in a way because SoulCon isn't meant for, hey, you just want to lose weight. That's not, I mean, if that's what you're focusing on, I think Dan said that on Saturday, you're going to miss the point. And I know that a couple of guys have, uh, in our groups have, kind of, have said this exact same thing. Uh, but I, So I invited these guys because one, I wanted to go through it again. I know that when I went through it, I did feel closer to God and I did find that my prayer changed and the way that I went about my day, the mental processing that I had during the day that, that completely changed when I went through when going through SoCon and after I completed SoCon. And I knew that some of the guys that, you know, I, that I'm friends with, they would benefit from this. One of them is a dad and he's got five kids now, a new one that's three months old, but he has five kids. And when we went through it, it was before he had the five kids. So, I mean, it, it, he loved it. He thought it was fantastic. He really liked it. And he did really well, a lot better than I expected. Boy, that's a challenge there, having five kids. and <laughs> that's, that's impressive. So, I wanted to expand on one thing because Alan, you know, you said you wanted to embark on this journey to to lose weight. That and was, let me back up real quick. That was just before I got married. So it's not. I'm not okay. Sending condemnation your sure, way. Sure. I want the listener to understand that uh, what Alan is saying is that in his life he had a fork that fed. And so effectively creating a negative relationship of indiscipline with food. So the desire to go on a diet is to understand you have a stronghold in your life that is associated with food. So the desire to go on a diet is, is just our way of saying, look, I have an indiscipline of gluttony or other that is unhealthy and I need to change it. That's a more intelligent or it's a, it's a different way of saying it. So we tend to just say, well, I want to go on a diet or I did this because I wanted to go on a diet. But really, uh, your second level of intimacy, which is like, look, I don't really control what goes into my mouth food wise. So <laughs> I had to add that last part because you both looked at me very strange. <laughs> no, I was, I was just guys being guys here. No, I was thinking, I was like, that's actually, I like his explanation a lot more than mine. <laughs> In the book, it talks about several different forks. One of them being uh, your career, another 
that happens to be mine is the evangelistic part of this. Uh, we are to go out and, like you said, make disciples. That was That's the hardest thing for me to do, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if it's because my lack of knowledge of Jesus or if I'm don't feel I'm or there's a comfort or comfortability that's a word that I just make it up it has to do with being comfortable strategic <laughs> yes <laughs> strategic in in how I talk to people about it uh, it's more for me it's more of a you know lead whenever wherever you go preach the Bible when necessary, use words for me. So it's, it's more of a way I lead. Hopefully someone asks me questions. I'm more of a, I can answer just about anything you want me to do. Just ask me the questions. I'm not one at, I'm working on becoming better in the fact that I'm just going to be bold enough to say, Hey, you know why I'm like this? I'm not sure that comes across correctly or not, but maybe y'all know what I'm trying to say. So every single cycle, and I could probably search any other group that's gone through this book and the number one section that everyone fails at is discipleship which is spreading information about jesus and his life and your testimony to anyone every cycle that was the number one thing that everyone failed at and we always just overlooked it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it it was never looked at as a failure and it was never even discussed on why you can't until the fourth cycle you know Brian Towers and I had this conversation on why are you afraid to talk about it? And it's a lie that the devil tells you and wants to create a barrier where you can't talk correctly. And he'll tell you, I'm not really good at telling my story. I don't really know how to tell you about Jesus. All of those things are preventing you from ever actually stating it. And it's purposeful. But to break past that and go into the word to understand all the things that he says about you, it gives you the ability to speak easier. And I say that in the s- simplest form in that the reason why people pre- create that barrier for spreading the gospel is because they think it has to be grandstanding on a pulpit. Instead, you have to just tell people about the feeling that you experience. So much so that it compels them to want to hear more about it. But if you don't know the basis of your testimony or the feeling or any of that, how would you ever communicate it? Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you do what you do? All of those things. If you can't string that together in a series of words with a period, it's typically going to prevent you from giving any type of evangelism. Man, that's good. I wonder how many men or people in general that follow Christ actually think about that, what you just said, and put, and I guess, practice that like I'm thinking I need to I need to think about that I need to write it down and and practice it well you know I try to practice it without thinking about it now but being intentional about about that that's that's a good takeaway for me from this podcast right there uh just making sure that I know why I'm doing what I'm doing so we mentioned accountability a little bit before when you invited Dustin how did you ensure that he stayed accountable? So a part of knowing where he lives. It's <laughs> a good way. It's a good way. If you hide too long off the phone. Well, so we talked about it a little bit on Saturday, but you really have to, if you are going to willingly take on someone else in this journey and, and you know, both be accountable to one another, that's a conversation. It's a conversation that has 
yes or no and agreement type questions because you both have to be in agreement on what's going to happen. And I can recall it was a rainy day driving home and he's driving home and I'm, I'm talking to him. I'm like, this is my expectation of you. And these are the things that have to happen. And so you need to tell me where that can't happen and not justify it, but just tell me why. Because uh, he he has a, a character trait, which is honorable, which is he devotes his time to his family. So he's not usually a texter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to talk to him, call him. He will text, you know, but it's going to be in a cadence, which is outside of what you might expect if you talk to someone every three seconds and they text you back. So we laid the ground floor on here's who I am. And I said, here's my expectations. And we just met in the middle. So... It, it knew, he knew where he needed to stretch in terms of, okay, well, so to be in this process, we're going to have some daily accountability. And if you don't report for the daily accountability, you will get bothered. And rather than frustrate him by getting his text and phone blown up during family time, it's just, I'll meet the intent of what I'm being asked to prevent the aftermath. <laughs> so that's all. And, and that's common. That, Anyone that's not doing that going through this book study, if you if you brought somebody or if you've decided to have an accountability partner, you need to understand what you're being accountable to. You know, that reminded me of something that I try to remember when practicing communication. That is, undefined expectations become unmet expectations leads to frustrations. Uh, so you bringing the setting expectations of who you are inviting to uh, go through this with, I would also, we actually talked about this in uh, the Mighty Man group on Saturday after our conversation at Rudy's that not only setting the expectation with who you are leading through SoulCon, but it's also setting the expectation with your wife and your family because it is six weeks of, I wouldn't say it's intense, it's not boot camp or whatever, but you need to let them know that you're going to be going through some things like a day of fasting that, you know, you're not going to be eating anything. You might be a little cranky and they need to understand where you're coming from. There's other aspects of this, like two, five K's a week. And if you're not in shape or have practiced that, you might be a little sore and you might not be just really what I'm trying to get at is setting expectations with your family, not just the person that you're bringing along. No, it's a good point. And even in the first 77 pages and the things that you read where there's room for interpretation. And so, like with the ability to do the 5K on a bike, well, there are guys that would hop on the bike and the 5K equivalent is nothing. It's like 10,000 pedals. And so, if you don't ask the questions up front to make sure that everyone is on the same page, then it's up to the person leading the group to say, here's how this is read. Yes, I know the diet says this. This is not interpreted. That doesn't mean you can go do this. If you're doing it, we're all doing it. And that's really the premise starting is that you can't really measure an effective baseline if everyone doesn't start in the same place for by a matter of speaking. So we may not all have the same lives and the same schedules and all of those things. But for the book to work, you all have to start in the same place. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there any part of the book that you struggled with? Th- 
without giving it without away. Without spoilers, yes. Yeah, without without spoilers. There's a there is a level of intimacy that's requested in this book that is not common. And to speak about it as well. And it's a barrier that I think was difficult for a lot of men and even when I went through it the first time I really failed because I wasn't quite ready to vocalize what the book was asking. So I I answered it, but in a manner that was kind of ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's that, I think, to me, is the biggest challenge, is you decide how much you want people to see. And if the <laughs> book is really working well, there are guys that f- open kimono, and it was just kind of earth-shattering because you get to see a man that has humbled himself to the floor and is speaking about things that he's not sharing with anyone outside of the table uh that's like forging the portions of the chain that really aren't ever going to break so um that to me i think is a challenge and you'll probably see it when you go through the book you will on that part uh i believe i know what you're talking about and i you said it was hard for you but i guess for lack of a better word the champion who you're talking about who would you say that was so every I feel like every group that we led there was a standout. And the irony for our group is it was the same guy for three iterations. Okay. Um and you know Billy Lee Hendricks who uh oh, yeah. Be- yeah. became a friend and uh you don't know him as Billy Lee, you just know him as Lee, but BLH uh gave every time he got asked to talk, it was like mic drops and you're because he jumped all in he didn't dip a toe he was really trying to change he had a whole lot of personal things that happened to him and attacks and all the stuff and he was like i gotta hit the reset button and it was to me when men can see transformation before them in such a short period of time it's motivating and i say that because we use the term motivation but it literally gave people motive to pursue this if you needed an affirmation it was like watch Lee and we had him talk every time. So he would, he got the nickname MVP, (laughs) not because he was performing. It was because it was like, you know, what are they? I'm not really a sports guy, but it's like most improved player. Yeah. Like you could watch God working in his life to such a high level. It was like each iteration. He just had this, this, completely transformational portions of his life so i was like you need to stop doing this because no one's going to know who you are (laughs) by the by the fourth iteration where you have no beard and you're not wearing glasses anymore and you're 50 pounds lighter he's an amazing amazing individual i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you uh i i don't think that i generated or was focused on the right thing going through that because all i could think about is i'm coming after you lee i'm coming after you you are right. He deserved it because of what he put into it and what he got out of it. Where I put in a lot as well, but I was focusing on the wrong things. I was focusing on becoming a a, a stronger me, and I've been doing that for a while. So I, that made my focus. But like we were saying earlier, if these are the things that you're focusing on, you're missing the point. I think it's more of a spiritual thing, and Lee demonstrated that to a higher level than well not to be too prescriptive so don't discount the fact that you focused on physical and other things what that 
to me, what speaks loudest are the things that you put the most amount of energy into. And what we would tend to do is go to the easiest one more often than not. And so when, when you embark on that journey, the one that you are most excited about is likely the one that God's trying to change. The one that you're least excited about is also the one he's trying to change. So I wouldn't discount the fact that some people get a spiritual move and some people get a physical move. Uh, they're one and the same. So you, you have a body that you have this earthen vessel that has to be tuned and the spirit is all in the same. What I would think by the end that you should correlate is your desire to get in better shape or to eat better, all of these things, and better being an ambiguous term, but to be different than who you are today. That's not a bad thing. So I wouldn't I wouldn't play yourself down and saying you looked after the wrong things. I think you were going after the things which you desired most. And that's why he's one of my life coaches. Yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give those that may have trouble staying through the entire book? You know, I think someone said it before. If you get in a car wreck, do you stop driving? No. If someone... If you get a bad review at work, do you quit? No, you still show up every day. So if you're going to start the journey, is is it really... Remember why you started. And I think I told you that too. The, if you chose to take this journey on, remember that the day you want to quit. Because you'll find a reason or you'll find an excuse. And it was tough watching guys do great for two to three weeks and then ghost and disappear. Wow. That, that was something that we noticed in a bunch of rounds, right? Uh, first three weeks were strong. And then we were like, what happened? Where is everybody? Why is everybody disappearing? And, and that's the piece about growing bigger than what you can control. And it's not too big for God, but if your assignment was one person and you ambitiously took on seven, it's how much influence and control do you have? And can you lead yourself and seven other people? Can you lead yourself enough to have a first follower? And can everyone follow the second? So if you can't, it's not that you don't have the ability to. It's that your assignment going through this book is really meant for you at this point. And the, the guys that I watched either fall off or kind of come back, it, it was tough because I, I didn't seek to blame but I set to put the accountability on myself what did I do or didn't do that caused them to not want to keep going and that was so Alan when you talk about aspects of the book mm -hmm. leading Solcon and having people drop was the hardest thing bar none did you find yourself leaning on God during any part of the challenge 100% we, I had a phrase that I, I think I told you, Scott, which is God would not strengthen a can that cannot do or a bee that cannot do, meaning I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he would not strengthen something that cannot do something. <laughs> so much like I said about starting with an excuse versus a reason, there were aspects of it that, like the the day of fasting, I'd only ever done Daniel fast before that, 
so vegetables and water or broth or otherwise but to do a full-on fast i had never done and also held a job so (laughs) to sit in your cube and be working your mind is focused on your job and then your stomach is telling your mind like i'm hungry and so the accountability partner is a great portion of it because what one of the things that I did and tried to share was like I put a sticky note up on my computer that was like pray first then eat. So all I was trying to tell myself throughout the day of fasting was like it is it is your test. God is literally pushing you to the limit because you think that you can't go another hour without eating or another second. And every time I eclipsed that second minute, an hour, and expanded throughout the day, I realized as long as I am listening and trusting the word of God, I will get through this. We're making it sound like it's something it's more than it is, but you're taking it as a principle for the minutia to apply to your life. Listening to him will have moments of affirmation. But don't give yourself the excuse to not let it get there. And you can always do more than you're capable of. So that... To me, it wasn't that there were all kinds of events that required it. It was there were certain ones where I did not think I was going to be able to do it. When I went through it, uh, running 5Ks were something that I had never done before. I got to the point to where I was excited about running them, and I actually run 5Ks now. I've even done a couple of half marathons. One of the times that I, well, there's two lessons that came out of it for me is trusting God. Uh, I came up with a hashtag for me, and it's push the finish line. So where where I am capable of going, and at that point, after that, I had to depend on God to get past that. Your, your running coach, your track and field coach, doesn't tell you to slow down when you see the finish line. It's run through the finish line. So for me, it was on the other side of that finish line where I found God, and he gave me the capabilities of of completing particularly that that 5k but in more in life just whatever i am not enough to trust god that he can get me somewhere else or past that one of the interesting stories i was like okay i got past my 5k and i'm running and i get to a point to where i can take a right hand turn to get to my house a little bit sooner or i can i can go a little bit further, but I knew that I was going to have to depend on God at that point because it was really tough. I was like, man, it, the flesh wanted to take that shortcut. And it was, it was funny at that time. I was like, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to depend on you here to get me through this next part because I'm ready to go. And I'm not sure. I don't know. Just the lesson for me is the rest of that run ended up going downhill. So it wasn't uphill. It, it was, there was, I don't know. Maybe I make that too spiritual, but it was just something that I learned that, hey, he's going to make life easier for me when I depend on him because I can't do everything. So you bring up a good point, and it's an, it's an ironic revelation that a lot of guys get in this book. At some point, they end up having a conversation with God on a run or during a workout or something. And there were plenty of guys that said, man, if I wouldn't have been able to run, if the Holy Spirit wasn't with me. So they, they, they begin to understand that the scripture does not lie. I will never leave you nor forsake you, which means you are always with me. So it's a level of irony that it takes something like a 5K. The way that I look at the challenges in the book is find something that if you ask the average man, he will say no to. 
Do you want to go run a 5K? <laughs> no. Do you want to go on a diet? No. no. Do you want to take a cold shower? No. So everything that's featured in this book are things that your natural inclination would be to say no to. The ironic ending is that you find out that your relationship with God is at the end of it. So <clears throat> you 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 begin to understand as you're listening to all these people talk about, I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. And then I just started praying. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I was able to do it. Or God told me. I said, how ironic is it that you finally understand through the course of a six-week study that God is always with you and he never leaves you. And the things that you are going through, he's so excited for. Just please tell me that at the end of that, that's something that you can say. That if, if there was any aspects of this book that you want to get, it's that through everything, brotherhood or otherwise, that you discover is that your relationship with God will get better. That's good. One of the other things I wanted to share with running the 5Ks, there were times where it was difficult and we're wanting to stay with the brotherhood and run together. But with the guys that we ended up running with, um, I would notice that some of them would be ahead of me and I would push myself to catch up with them. But what, what was in it for me was not to look back who was behind me, not saying that I don't care about them, but it was more of the fact that every piece of baggage in my life that could possibly hold me back, I don't want to look back to keep running forward. I, there's a different message, and I probably need to think about that a little bit different and, and fine-tune that. So but. just compare it. Why is your windshield so big and your rearview mirror so small? It's because you need to pay attention to what's in front of you and be respectful of what's behind you. So while you should honor your past and the challenges and the old you that you left at day one, week one, you should be ferociously loyal to the person that's at the end of the book. Mm -hmm. And in the same context, like you're saying, you have this fervor to go catch up with the person in front of you. I just always like to look at it as if you chase Jesus as hard as you did with anything else or the person that was running in front of you, imagine what your relationship would be like. It's a metaphor. But every time that you decide you don't want to run, it's like tag you're it. <laughs> Imagine Jesus running in sandals and a robe, and he's outrunning you. It's, I mean, you can think about this a lot of different <laughs> ways and humanize it, but just give yourself the, the portion of a relationship that everything was hard at some point, right. and everything was impossible until mm -hmm. someone did it. Well, we're coming up at the end of the time. Uh, with everything that you pulled out of this book, what is the one thing, the one takeaway, the one overlying that's it moment for you that you could encourage someone who's listening to you today to give them encouragement to do the book, to read the book and go through it. If you haven't gotten it already, I feel like from, <laughs> right. from the majority of that conversation, it should intrigue you enough to understand like, this is something that I should really just look at. I think the one piece that should really be said is that we're all a work in progress. And just like with anything else, one set of hands is great. The more people that work on a job with tasks and things that they're supposed to be doing, typically it gets done faster. And so the thought about going through the brotherhood alone, you can do book studies and you can grow your relationship with God to an extent by yourself. But without people to test those things and see what you missed and, and kind of celebrate your victories and to support you in your defeats and those type of things. You truly understand why this book is important. Alan, closing words, you got anything for Dan? 
Um, thank you. First off, yes, thank you, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you have a wealth of knowledge, and I think I might need to join you guys on these uh, morning coffees at some point because this is this they're is pretty stuff. they're pretty deep, man. Most yeah. of the time, it's not conversation that the average person has. Yeah. I can recall Scott and I talking about predeterminism in the gym, and the guy that was in there working out with us took his headphones off and was like. Is this really what you guys are talking about in here? <laughs> like, well, there's only three of us. I didn't realize we were sharing ear space. Yeah, yeah but that was uh, that was that was a, a take back for him. Well, right on, Dan. Again, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, look forward to uh, upcoming conversations. Again, I love hanging out with you. You definitely helped me become better at what I'm trying to achieve in my life. So, love you too, Scott. Let's. Uh, Let's, Dan, uh, if you would, give us the honor of praying us out. Sure. I'm honored. Father God, we come before you, and, and while we do sit in a room and, and we feel your presence here, God, I ask that you just take these words and, and you broadcast them out through the airways. And the receptive hearts and ears that have tuned into this channel and are, and are listening to this message, that at some point in time, something was you speaking through us to them and through that. They got encouragement or they got some type of of just spurring that said, I need to do this. I need to figure this out. I need to go deeper. And within that, God, you know that the, you are the answer to every single one of their questions if they truly open up their hearts to it. So, God, I just ask that, that you continue to to unify this message and to grow this channel and, and to support Alan and Scott and, and everyone going through this journey. And, and I know that the minute that they turn the page in this book, God, that you were in the words and you were supporting them. And we ask that you just watch over us as we embark down this road. And it's your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So uh, we close the show here. Uh, week one of SoulCon starts today, actually. Well, tomorrow, Monday. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, we will be on day two. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at mightyanvilpodcast at gmail.com. And also you can follow us on Instagram at mightyanvilpodcast. Right on, guys. Hey, I appreciate y'all's time. Uh, look forward to seeing y'all next week. Oh, you know what? I didn't. I wanted to mention. There is, we're trying to we come up with a little contest for you guys out there. Yeah, the contest. So if you can think of what we can call the listeners. Of the Mighty Anvil. Of the Mighty Anvil. Uh, there are two Cinemark tickets in it for you. So uh, email us uh, with your ideas, and if we use them, that's, uh, you'll get some tickets. So I'm looking forward to what y'all got. What is it in uh, like medieval times? What was uh, It was like an apprentice, but it wasn't an apprentice. Squire? No. Mm. Yeah, the squire was for the knight. You have a blacksmith, which is the blacksmith, and then you have a whitesmith, which is the finer tuning of... The whitesmith worked with like gold and silver. Yeah, the, okay. the gold and silver. You're absolutely right. There is another. There's an, there's there's a couple other options out there for what the helper is, the apprentice for a blacksmith. The strikers. Strikers. The, yes. The strikers. I'm, are I'm black, kind of, or blacksmiths. So assistants. I'm gonna. We're 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 noting that as Dan's input. Yeah. So strikers. Um, <laughs> y'all, you got some work to do. So email us and let us know what you think. Love you guys.